Why are you doing this? Why? Isn't the universe big enough for both of us? <laughs> what is wrong with you people? We could work together. Why be enemies? Because we're different? Is that why? Think of the things that we could do. Think how strong we would be. Earth and Mars together. saw the news about regal theater and some like some other theater yeah you hear about how so yeah like they're cutting theaters or shuttering theaters i think it's like twenty thousand jobs they're estimating to cut yep that's man that's uh that is no good uh, for anybody i mean we knew this was coming i don't mean to be cavalier about it or anything like i'm certainly not trying to be an asshole but like what is the point of having movie theaters open right now? Yeah. Like, Dune got delayed. Nothing is coming out. Yeah, it's like James and, Bond, too. Yeah, and, like, the movies that did come out, it's clear people weren't willing to risk it to go. So I, I do kind of get why it doesn't make sense. I mean, it really sucks. I feel really bad. Yeah. But, like, I don't get why people are surprised, I guess. It's probably... Probably the more I, accurate way to say it. I don't think people are surprised. I think movie theater owners and those chains, like, they're just stubborn as possible at this point. Well, they, Anyone, they have survived this long, which is kind of surprising. Yeah. And I'm kind of just the mechanics of it. Like, like I guess I never really thought about how a movie theater kind of sustains itself, but. I mean, obviously, if they can't sell tickets or vend, you know, high fructose corn syrup, they're just bound to fail or whatever. Right. Uh, what else do you do? Yeah, basically. I, I'm like 30% sure, at least for the next year, I've seen my last movie inside the theater. Like, I don't foresee anything in 2020 going on for movies, for me at least. And even the movie, like, they delayed the Batman. They delayed Dune. Like, mm-hmm. I don't foresee something is gonna next, even next year. Like, there's nothing on the calendar that's gonna make me want to go to a movie theater anytime soon. So, a part of me really thinks this is kind of the last year I've gone to a movie. <laughs> it's very sad. Like, the movie experience is has always been I've always loved. I hope I'm wrong, but part of me feels like it's going to be a long time for actually going to a movie theater yeah it might be a long time but i i doubt it's going to be never yeah hopefully think about this idea i kind of thought about this and let me know if if you think this still wouldn't be feasible so i think movie theaters basically whenever movie theaters open they just basically said you know buy a ticket and just come or whatever and they're having like penny movie theater tickets mm-hmm. or whatever yeah you know, you know they should have did now here it is and let me let me let me know if you think this is a halfway decent idea what they should have just did was they probably should have just sold a ticket for like each screening so you pay forty dollars and you're guaranteed to watch this movie by yourself in the theater if you pay yeah. like, if you pay like another like twenty bucks, you have unlimited concessions or whatever. I mean, because that is yeah. just going to waste anyway. So 
like you pay the $40 per person. So if it's a two of you, if it's a family, you know, you buy that for that individual screening. Mm-hmm. It's like half hour gaps in between actual movies for them to clean and do whatever. And then yeah. the next week will come along. It's not necessarily profitable, but if you wanted to sustain that, because like even if you get like five people together, people just want to go out and like five people say, you know what, I just want to go out on this night, be with my friends, or at least be with my family. I know they don't have the Rona and let's go to mm-hmm. the movie and watch it. $40 a piece is better than like no tickets at all. Yeah. No, I agree with you. But I, I think the biggest problem would then be, well, the ventilation of what we did is probably shit anyway. So Yeah. The only reason I'm comfortable going to the office is because it's literally an engineering building. Ventilation is real. <laughs> the ventilation is real. Of the movies, which mm-hmm. one do you want to talk first? Do you want to go in chronological order? Uh, where is that? <laughs> so was, it would be the, the juice. Yeah. yeah. We'd start with the juice, then scissor hands, then Mars attacks. Yeah, that's fine. So why did you cry when we watch Edward Scissorhands? We're not starting with that one. Oh no! Hold on. Did I get it wrong? Yes, you did. We started Shit. with Beetlejuice. We literally Fuck. just said that out loud. Fuck, man. Oh, <laughs> I'm barfing all over myself right now. Jesus. Yeah. All right. Oh, so you didn't cry in Beetlejuice, okay. So, spoiler alert, you did not cry during Beetlejuice. Yeah, I, I, I only had, like, one single man tear, by the way, during uh, Scissorhands, for the, for the reference. But, like, it's as close as it's gonna, I get, really, crying at movies. I don't, I'm not a big crier in that way. We'll get to that, though. So, yeah. I'll let you know a secret. It's actually forever Scissorhands, too. So, obviously, these movies came out when I was extremely young beauty just came mm-hmm. out when i was two so i probably didn't first see it till like i was like four or five mm-hmm. it was the hands about the same time i was definitely scared of these movies when i was that young oh the reason i watched scissor hands for the first time this year because i saw part of it as a child and was like scarred for life oh geez i was like i will never watch this again i will never enjoy this what kind of sicko like <laughs> I mean, Tim Burns is sicko, but <laughs> also like, hi, it's me. I'm that sicko now. I mean, yeah, living your truth. Nothing wrong with that. What matters is that we got here. Basically, even growing up, Beetlejuice is definitely part of pop culture, and I actually I like the cartoon show. I love the, the cartoon movie. show. Yeah, I don't um, like it better, but I do like acknowledge they're doing very different things. I don't. I barely even remember the premise of the the cartoon show like i and it came on reruns and never i don't think it really re-ran anywhere unless you watch on the internet but well for me at least that was my experience it ran on a cartoon network and stuff for a while like weird off times i I liked the show and the show is much more of like a zany adventure comedy where like beetlejuice is like a, a cool dude who's like friends with lydia and they like hang out and it's not creepy because he was a creepy in this movie, I'll tell you that. Well, he's also the villain of this movie. Is he, though? How is that a question? <laughs> I, was just, I was just bullshitting you. <laughs> yes. I was like, exactly. excuse me. Like, listen, the, the Dietzes are the enemies of the Maitlands, but they are not, like, the enemy of the human race. Yeah. He is the common enemy of that film. He is the reason that we were able to reach a resolution. You know, the funny thing is I finished watching Scissor Hands and I watched Beetlejuice and it hit me. <laughs> Does Tim Burton not like white people? <laughs> He's very like anti-vanilla white people. <laughs> yeah, so I think his thing is that he, he is a, like very Lydia-y. Where he's yeah. like, my whole life is a dark room. Has just always felt gawked at and almost like kept like a zoo animal by like suburban white folk. He was born and raised in Burbank. Oh, wow. Okay. It's weird. It's all weird. <laughs> Tim Burton, it's all weird. Yeah, but like to him, that's a thing. He has spent his whole life feeling like a pet like a weird oddity pet. He definitely has some movies that are like his dance monkey dance movies. 
he is anti-conformity for the sake of conformity. Yeah, definitely. He is pro being true to yourself, whether that is yourself, the like puppy person with the claws or if yourself is my life is a series of dark rooms or if your life is is your art at the end of the day delia is insufferable to the maitlands but delia is actually a super interesting character so are the maitlands but they're not conforming for conformity's sake they're just doing what they like yeah and so is she and so are they the only one who seems to really have any like that the narrative itself seems to really dislike is the father <laughs> yeah, he doesn't think <laughs> Burton does not think a lot about white dads. And you looking at the movies that we watch over this last like couple of months, these directors in these 80s, man, like they do not give a shit about white dads. Delia, you're right. Mm-hmm. Let's get one thing straight. You're right. We're here to enjoy the country setting, mm-hmm. not to trash the place. You're right. Charles. You're lucky the yuppies are buying condos so you can afford what I'm going to have to do to this place. Also, I'm here to relax and clip coupons. And damn it, I mean to do it. Then go do it quietly, dear, and let Othon, I think. Is the rest of the house as bad as this? I think that <laughs> that's not entirely fair because I think that Alan Arkin in Scissorhands actually, like, cares a lot. Uh, I wouldn't describe it as him caring. He shows selective empathy. Like when Edward is brought in, he's like receptive. Like he has a drink with him at the bar, but at the same time, he still even kind of pull yourself up by the bootstraps type of dad. Right, but he's just parenting him like any normal kid. Yeah. Like he doesn't make a big deal about how different he is. Like he just treats him like a normal kid. But I think with the father, Edward Scissorhands, he just doesn't care about very much of anything besides, like, I guess, keeping his kids safe. Why? Because even if you take this scene where they're in the diner and Edward, you know, tells, you know, them how he got sexually assaulted, he's mm-hmm. just, like, rambling like nothing happened and everyone is in the moment. And he's just like, well, you got to get the bank loan, the get your equity and all that shit. Well, yeah, but like, just because he's emotionally constipated, does that mean he's bad? I guess becomes the question, right? Because like, he's not the emotional centerpiece of that movie. Well, yeah. So I guess for that question, that's going to depend on just who you ask, whatever. I wouldn't necessarily yeah. say bad, but I would say that's more of a referendum. Even if you take him as like the exception, He's definitely not the rule. Yeah, she, he's also like, he's not great. I'm not saying he yeah. deserves a dad of the year coffee mug. Yeah. But I'm saying like, of all the available dads in the <laughs> Tim Burton Universe. discography, the only other one that I would say is any good at all is uh, Byron and Mars Attacks. I'm staying. I'll distract them. The first chance you get, you take off. I'm not leaving you. I'll just do it. I'll draw them away and I'll go. No. He must have flipped. He's gonna throw them off so we can escape. Yeah, but we can't leave him. A weapon. Clown outfit. It's me. Baron Flynn. Heavyweight. Champion. Of the world! <laughs> yeah, and even he's divorced or some shit like that. I think they're on a break. I mean, you know, those, those nice ambiguous things that happen in marriages sometimes. Basically. I mean, if your wife living in D.C., you living in Vegas, those are two different ass lifestyles. <laughs> well, yeah, but he was also like a prize fighter. Like he's, he's probably been traveling their whole relationship. Oh, he's he's doing a lot of stuff in our relationship. That's why he got divorced. Well, broken or quasi broken up with. Who the fuck knows? The ambiguousness of their relationship. But. Kinda rules. I'm very into Mars Attacks. I'm very excited to talk about Mars Attacks. Anyway, I think that besides Beetlejuice as the villain, it's the dad. You know, because all he does is dismiss Lydia and even though Delia and Lydia don't get along like it's implied that like you can really see where Lydia is Delia's daughter how because they don't like each other but can I no but like their aesthetics 
the way that they dress. They have a similar sense of drama and how they comport themselves. They're both artists. They have more in common than they give themselves credit for. Right. And, like, I think they're also, she thinks that, you know, Delia is too much. And I bet that Delia is probably a little jealous of Lydia. And that just creates that dynamic, you know? Yeah. Sucks. But, like, I get it. (laughs) So So who would you rather be your parent? Uh, Charles or uh, Delia. Are you asking if I would rather have the dad or the mom? Yeah. I'm 23. I don't need... (laughs) I don't need to do parents anymore in that way. I think that Delia and I would probably be able to actually, like, hang out and talk about art. You don't think she's fake deep, though? Does it matter at a certain point? Um... If nothing else, clearly she knows how to dress herself. Like, she's clearly very into fashion. Like, that's a whole set of things you can talk about. Yeah. (laughs) But what about the Maitlands, though? I guess a a better question to ask, because we're talking about kind of the lens of whiteness through this white director. Between Beetlejuice and Scissorhands, I do think Tim Burton has interesting commentary on how kind of whiteness functions in America. Mm Mm-hmm. In these movies, like, did you know people like this? Like, did you have family members who were, or even, like, even yourself at one point in time, see, like, any similarity between these characters? I mean, are you asking me, like, am I or do I know the Maitlands? Some there version is, of them, yeah. I guess, like, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, I know white people with hobbies. <laughs> None of them are dead, but, like... Well, maybe not them specifically. They're pretty, I mean, vanilla before they die or whatever. But And even what it, still, like, their goals are so, like, I just want to, like, have my house back. Like, I don't want to have to share it with that woman. Yeah. Their well, goals are pretty straightforward. Well, yeah. Like, do you know people like that? Like, do you know people like, like Lydia who just kind of live in kind of, like, existential crisis mode? like all the time seemingly do i know people with depression yeah yes everyone knows that but like i guess i'm trying to get are you really about to ask like do you really think she's depressed because i was like oh hell no no that's that's not a question i would really ask anybody because also like she is visibly depressed (laughs) i guess the question i'm really trying to ask is for me I grew up on movies just about white people and Mm -hmm. just seeing how America sort of functions its art through like whiteness. Like I said, like, I think if you talk about, like I said, Tim Burton, like his idea of what whiteness is, if you kind of extrapolate Edward Scissorhands, that movie is about kind of on a larger scale, kind of the ills of what assimilation is and how the minority Mm always gives more to the majority but they don't receive it back in return or whatever like i guess i would ask like do you kind of see like through his eye what kind of the commentaries on whiteness are through these two movies oh absolutely there's a huge thing about conformity that has existed with tim burton's work for a long time i think and a lot of it is centered around i would say perceived whiteness as well as like class stuff there he has a lot of like very subtle class message and some unsubtle class messaging but still like there's a lot of class messaging that happens in there and like i definitely know people who are takers like that it's a valid critique and commentary and those are probably the same people who made tim burton feel like he was their little like dance monkey dance because he was different than them yeah. You know, it's it's unfortunate that it's a universal kind of take on the struggles of the haves and the have-nots of, you know, kind of the world, if you want to call it that, of the rights would perhaps be more accurate. But, like, that's a real thing. Like, I see that. Yeah. Cause I was, Does that answer your question? Yeah, because I think if you look at the Maitlands, like, they are very cookie-cutter. It's weird, like, they're attractive human beings, but like obviously Gina Davis and Alec Ball would have some attractiveness, especially during this time. But like, yeah, they're both cuties. But in this movie, they're kind of regular schmegglers. Like they're like, I guess, supposed to child for like middle America in a sense. But for me, who didn't grow up around that, like I was kind of wondering if that really is sort of the norm and not just like some 
movie trope that kind of like gets pushed around by directors i mean that's definitely a thing that exists in some parts of the country you could find those people in connecticut if you wanted to yeah it even wouldn't be particularly difficult but i also think that they need to be the the most innocent so that way when the things start happening to them it pops you know because if lydia just met a ghost like like a beetlejuice style presence she would probably be like oh sick this is rad and then be just totally screwed and there's no movie. Yeah. You know, you need to have those those guiding kind of parental e figures with the morals so the kid has someone to look up to. Yeah. Michael Keaton. Doing the most. <laughs> the absolute most, yes. Like, so much. Like, right. maybe too much. You know what's really beautiful about this? You two kids picked me. You didn't have to, but you picked me. It makes me want to kiss you guys. Come on. Come no. Give me one. No. Ah, no. You're no. Right. Let's All right. Let's get down to this. You're right. I got a card around here somewhere. Here. Here. Who do I have to kill? Here, hold that for me, would you? There. Whoa! Ah. There, you there you go. You don't have to kill anybody. Ah, possession. Good. Learn to throw your voice. Fool your friends. Fun and party. <gasps> No, we just want to get some people out of our house. Ah, I understand, I understand. Well, look, in order to do that, I'm really going to have to get to know you guys. You know, we got to get closer. Move in with you for a while. Get to be real pals. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Save that guy Uh, for later. My wife and I would like to ask you a couple of questions. Sure, sure, sure. sure. Go ahead, shoot. Well, for instance, uh, what are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I lived through the Black Plague, and I had a pretty good time during that. I've seen The Exorcist about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. Not to mention the fact that you're talking to a dead guy. Now, what do you think? Oh, you think too much. I, I like, don't, but, like, I have friends who are like, oh, my God, I used to be, like, super, like, I had such a crush on Beetlejuice. And I'm like, whoa. That's a weird person Why? to have a crush on. I just don't get it at all. What about Beetlejuice would be attractive? That's the real question. I think it's a confidence thing. I guess. <laughs> but, like, this is not my lived experience, so obviously I can't, like, talk intelligently about this. Yeah. I know, I know some women who if a guy's confidence is high enough like they'll put other things aside to to be drawn to it like i've known like like friends in my life who (laughs) they thought the ugliest of rappers were sexy (laughs) only because i had that swag yes only because they were swagged out but um, that's a hell of a that's a hell yeah, it's a weird a it's a weird pick. The weirdest to say the very least. But we don't shame people's attractions on this podcast. But do you think Keaton really was doing the most stuff? Oh yeah, he's I think working his butt off because he has to find this weird and admittedly hard to get to place where he is the villain of the movie, but everyone is happy when they see him. Yeah. That's a hard yeah. space to exist in. That's a lot of pressure for, for anyone or doing anything. Yeah. It's so funny you said, like, happy to see him. When he popped up in the iconic, like, pinstripe suit at the end, part of me felt like he's definitely about to go to some next level shit right now. Yeah. It, it feels like the movie has arrived. Yeah. Not to imply that the other stuff isn't, like, good or interesting, but, like, the movie is called Beetlejuice. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that there is a set of of associations and expectations that come with that. And I won't say that he doesn't meet them because I don't think that's fair. But like you do have to wait for it for a while and you have to work for it. Even just by replacing him from any actor in the 80s, do you think this movie would have been better? I don't think it would have been better. I think there's a lot of ways it could have been different, but I don't know that it could have been better. I think he's so camp and he matches Burden's camp. Yeah. I I can't imagine anyone else in this role. He he is he ascended in my mind. And he is also so clearly not trying to be like sexy. <laughs> like he he has ascended beyond the need to be attractive. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling a little uh, anxious. If you know what I mean. Been about 600 years after all. I wonder where a guy, an everyday Joe like myself, 
could find a little action. Hi. Yeah. The pivot from this to Batman a year later mm-hmm. <laughs> is like, day and night. It's so monumental. Yeah, it's really weird. I know. I'm pretty sure most of all of his movies, like in those like 80s runs, were like just comedies, or whatever. Maybe like D and C list comedies. Just... And Mr. Mom. Oh my god, Mr. Mom. Jesus. But I think this is probably his funniest role that he's done. I would agree. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's. I don't think it's really close. I'm looking at his his filmography, and well, Birdman was the movie that got like all the the acclaim and the praise, and he was like really that he should have won the Oscar for. Yeah, I'm still a little salty that he did not. I'm sure he is too. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw Spotlight. He was really good in Spotlight. Spotlight is like a perfectly serviceable movie that I don't think I ever need to watch again. Hell no. Like, well, no, you don't need to watch it again. It is it's really too heavy. It's too much. It's a lot. Like, I watched it twice. And it I also didn't took think place like in twice. my town. Yeah. Like, that's, it's, it's not what you want. Other than that one scene where uh, Mark Ruffalo is completely going over the hill for the acting, mm-hmm. like, okay. I think it's a great movie. If I'm like an upcoming dramatic actor, mm-hmm. like I think there's a lot you can extrapolate from that movie. But if I'm just a Joe Schmo, it's a one and done. <laughs> like you do not yeah. need to revisit Spotlight, even though I would say it's a really good movie. And I love Batman '89, obviously, but in Beetlejuice and Birdman, he's doing Batman is so, so great much. because it's so subtle. But those movies do so much more that mm-hmm. it kind of has to overshadow it. I would, I'll probably say Birdman, then Beetlejuice, then Batman '89, then probably Homecoming after that. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. What was your favorite moment in Beetlejuice before we before we uh, pivot to the scissor hands? That's a that's a tough tough question for me. Perhaps the this is my art this is my art and it's dangerous. Oh, that was a lie. That was great. That was a great lie. <laughs> I think that shit is great. I love her kind of the weird like persnickety, but also like very interesting kind of oomph. She's always on ten. Has. She's yeah. always on ten. Yeah. Speaking of that, you know, I think obviously Burden is making like a lot of commentary on just kind of like the self seriousness of like what the New York art scene was at the time. But mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie, man. <laughs> that, that outdoor porch <laughs> with the freestanding wall. <laughs> I definitely thought I was gonna like grow up to be Lydia, and I definitely actually grew up to be Otho. Yo. Like. I mean, life life has a lot of different paths, man. He had a stay like, on your path. Yeah, but like in the moment where he's like, oh, like I used to like do this, this, and this, and like all these odd jobs and whatever. I'm like, yeah, I really do be like that. It do be like that, yes. He's just busy like being a multitasking like icon. Like, okay, I could do worse. Yo, that Art Deco, I don't even know it's Art Deco whatever, but that art ass porch, that was so fine. It's, it's so, I know. It's so yeah, it's so good. It's, oh my God. Like, yeah. <laughs> that house before they got to it was like really ugly to be tell you the truth. Like the it, outside, it, they were, again, they were doing different things. Yeah. But man, I would, I would, I would give someone's nutsack for just to have a house just to build that fucking thing on the side of it. Yeah. Hiya puddins, it's your girl Holly Quinn, aka Dr. Harleen Quinzel, here to tell y'all about it's like a podcast or whatever. We talk about nerd stuff and life stuff, and if you want to know what we're about, check out the Powie Awards, our 100th episode Q and Slay, or theater from our butts. Have a good day puddins, and love, trust, and belief. Speaking of nutsacks. Johnny and Depp. cutting them off. <laughs> do we do we have an official stance 
for him on the podcast? My history with Johnny Depp is everything before Gilbert Grape was mostly fire, even Cry Baby movie, which is like one star critically, but I love that movie. But when What's Eating Gilbert Grape came on and Leo just stole all his powers, to me, he just went all downhill. And I know, mm. like, the Pirates of Caribbean, you know, but that's that's where I live and die with Johnny Depp. So I know we I'm obviously skirting some of the seriousness of his the is it abuse allegations, but then it's not, then So my understanding is that there were initially abuse allegations filed, then there were counter abuse allegations filed with significantly more evidence. Yeah. And now we are trying to determine as a society where we stand on this. I, I'm not like a, a Johnny Depp stan, but I am a human being with a conscience. Like, it's, it's really weird. Like, I, I don't care enough about Johnny Depp to not want to cancel him. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, like I remember when like the first allegations of his abuse came out and I was like, well, Viacom deals. But then it was like a counter thing. It was like, is she lying now? Like, it's maybe he's doing it just to like put doubt into people or whatever. But then I guess it actually panned out that what he was saying was true. But now it's like, okay, if she did abuse him, that still doesn't excuse him from retaliating. Like, it's is a is a moral right but like it's not it's kind of more at this point implied that she was just dishonest about it okay to to try and get out ahead and probably make more money in the divorce settlement ew (laughs) but that's again i'm not an expert i'm not their legal counsel like i don't yeah I don't know exactly, but this is kind of what I've gleaned from following this, I would say, fairly closely. Well, in cancel culture, no one gets canceled, but uh, actually, no, but like, there's like, no one's been canceled yet. Like, people are still out here wilding out. I'm looking at you, Tory Lanes. But I also think, like, this is one of this was one of the first cases where, like, the discourse actually was able to continue. Yeah. So, what about you? I don't know that I. I don't feel like I know enough to make an informed decision. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not pro, I'm not anti. I never liked anything Amber Heard acted in. (laughs) So, like, I don't really have to worry about that. But I also, like, don't love anything that Johnny Depp has done super recently. Yeah. I'm not canceling anybody right now, is the short answer. Yeah. But I think they're both fucked up for dragging this out in public like this yeah like and i mean everything you're saying like it's it's totally fine like like for me and actually i said gilbert great but i mean he had fear and loathing in 98 Mm -hmm. um he had blow i love blow he had blow in 2001 and i did like the first pirates movie you know i kind of dismissed i did like the first pirate movies or whatever but i think the star that leo became as far as popularity, I think that's what Johnny Depp was probably on the road to. And then Leo just gave him the full stiff arm. And then Johnny Depp just became a volume shooter. Like, he's been over I, 100 movies. It's crazy. I really don't care for Leonardo DiCaprio very much. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, like, eh? <laughs> like... Um, I go well. I mean, as far as actors concerned, there's obviously better actors. I, I'm just more commentary on, like on the popularity scale, like the, oh, the okay. team beat scale. That's what I'm, I'm commentary. Commentary. Yeah, on. I. Uh, I don't know. I think I was too old to like really find any of them attractive. Yeah. Or too young to find any of them like seriously attractive. Yeah. Well, maybe not for Leonardo DiCaprio. Evidently. Um, Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, that's not really, like, a consideration that I have. I don't really think about, like, that scale, particularly. I usually, it, usually for me, it comes down to, am I paying to see this? Yeah. And, you know, does that align with my morals? 
Which in this case, like, yeah, I guess. Speaking of the ultimate Windows era message, Anthony Michael Hall being a dickhead in Edwards' hands. Don't. What's the matter with you? When are you going to stop? Now, I did what I could. My old man thinks he's retarded, otherwise he'd still be in jail. What more do you want from me? You could tell the truth. So could you. You were there too. It wasn't my do. You know I didn't want to do it. But you did do it. I don't get why you give such a shit anyway. I honestly, like, I, I'm so here for it. You're here for heel turn Anthony Michael Hall? Yeah. Wow. I would not have thought that. Why? Because he got to do something different. Like, can you imagine being a child star, being typecast, like, that early in your life? Yeah, he was always And then ahead. only getting to do that forever? Like, I can't imagine that being a good time. At least he got a chance to do something different before he, like, burned out horribly and turned to drugs. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> he might have turned to drugs by then, actually. I mean, yo, it's so funny. He finally played a high school asshole, but it took him being over 21 to finally do it. Yeah, it was like, he looks like he's 37. Yeah. Like, like, at least he got to do it. I mean, better late than never, I guess. It's not quite cast of glee or cast of grease bad, but it's pretty bad. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I teased it a little bit. I don't know if I'm going to edit it out or not, but so why did you shed the single thug tear? Oh, yeah. My single thug tear was, and this is so bad, was when the little girl asked her grandma why she never went back. She never saw him again. Not after that night. How do you know? like oh the time has passed and like he probably thinks i'm ugly now oh yeah that was and i was like bitch <laughs> like <laughs> i was like excuse me in this economy uh like <laughs> so i was it was more just like a it wasn't even like it was more of a tear of like oh come on than it was like i'm sad Although I was kind of surprised they actually, like, so heavily committed to leaving him alone up there at the end. Yeah. <laughs> that was the wildest part. Like, he just he just murdered this guy, and they just took her word that, oh, yeah, he's dead now. Let, let's I not might, I might the have, corpse. Actually, the thug tear might have actually been during uh, when Vincent Price died. You see the hands fall, and it's like the only person who's been nice to him is, like, dead now. Oh, shit. Yeah, that was and like just before he was like gonna like fix his problems magically and like he was gonna get to be a real boy and his like opportunity to be a real boy just like tragically died that might have actually been the moment where i can't remember the exact moment where i cried i think that might have been it well no that was a very emotional scene so it's understandable and and watching him like break the hands while trying to pick up his his dying father yeah it's pretty tough yeah that's that's some feelings yeah, definitely. So I, I really liked it. I do have to say, though, I don't know that this is the first appearance of this, but it's definitely the first one in this where we have, like, Tim Burton object women. Um, Describe a little bit more why I look over his filmography. I think that this is very clearly a movie about the pursuit of uh, the daughter whose name I don't remember. Her name is Kim great this is a movie about the pursuit of kim she is the prize for edward being good well enough if he is human good enough then someday he will he will get kim and she has like very little agency the only thing she really does in the whole movie is like leave her abusive relationship but even then like not really like he it's a whole thing she also like sets him up to take the fall for a major crime. And you could argue that she didn't do it on purpose, but she didn't say anything. She's like she could have come forward. 
And then the other thing, just to kind of like wrap it all off, is like not to put too fine a point on it or anything. He literally makes ice sculptures depicting her as an angel. <laughs> like there's not a lot of subtlety in that, I would argue. This is not subtle at all. No, this is, uh, that movie is not very subtle at all. Well, no, because it's a fairy tale. It's a really screwed up fairy tale. And I think that's what I enjoyed about it. I liked that fairy tale kind of verve that it had well still telling like a pretty adult story but i was like okay you know every time it snows it stands to reason given the knowledge we now have that he is making snow sculptures of you (laughs) and you are afraid that he thinks you are ugly i mean she's old you are you know i mean yeah but she also was like the first possibly only person to be nice to him oh no the mom well no the mom diane weist actually was like the best until suddenly she wasn't that was one thing that really actually made me upset and i don't mean like in like a a kind of like fakey whatever way uh when she was like i think it's best if he just goes back like pretty much out of nowhere i understand that things had been like difficult and like they were having like issues and whatever like as a family dealing with it but she she did this to him she goes from like saying to his face like we need to take care of him to just throwing him under the bus immediately afterwards yeah and, like, that really rubbed me the wrong way we don't see it like happen we don't see her like get beat down and beat down and beat down we see everybody else around her get beat down and beat down and beat down and beat down but like she always is the one who's like well this was my fault like this was my do it and then all of a sudden she just snaps hard to well well fuck him like and that felt really inauthentic to me well that's why i said earlier this is kind of a really good tale of how like assimilation it in a lot of cases it doesn't work she pulled this minority out from what she perceived to be the gutter she brought him around to like these this different environment they basically used edward for they didn't they didn't give yeah they didn't give edward any respect until they found out that he could do something for them then they took advantage of it they didn't pay him any money they paid him in like uh what cookies or whatever yeah so they basically used them up they used them which is like very very small neighborhood feeling by the way is like yeah so what do you mean we didn't pay him we gave him cookies like and so, yeah, so they use him for his talent, and then the moment that he doesn't fit into what their needs are for their environment, they ostracize him, they, like, he's arrested, yeah. like, all this wild shit happens, and then in the moment, that conversation you're talking about, where she said something along the lines of, he just would have been better on his own, like, yeah, like, you took him out of his, his environment, put him to your own, and then now mm-hmm. you're upset that he doesn't fit into what you want. When you didn't even give him the tools, really, to to fit into the office or yeah. into, like, the environment. They did initially, but as time went on, they invested less and less. And as they invented, in, invested less and less, like, the less successful he was. Yeah, he basically became capital to them. We're going to start our business based around you. And we're going to sexually assault you. <laughs> like, they did all this wild shit to old Edward over there. And so it was... It was bad. It was bad business, to say the least. Yeah. In some parts, I really enjoyed it as like a visceral, candy-coated, emotional experience that also yeah. had like some really good heart in it. But like, there was a lot like wrong with this movie, and like thinking about it is like very weird to me. Why? Why would you say weird? I don't think it's meant to be thought about. I think it's meant to be experienced. But like analyzing even like the way that Edward moves, he always has his hands down. He's always very like docile. The only time he puts his hand up is literally when he kills Anthony Michael Hall. I will also say like, I really feel like Johnny Depp was acting very hard in this movie. (laughs) That's what Johnny Depp does. (laughs) Right. But like he had like a lot of like subtlety and nonverbal moments that like growing up with him in the Pirates movies, like that is not a thing I know he has. Yeah. So it was kind of refreshing to see him have some low-key subtlety, some mid-key nuance. Even kind of going back to what you said, this movie isn't necessarily made to be kind of extrapolated on a deeper note, but there's obviously things that we both identified that 
are kind of wrong with the film. And I think that's why I asked earlier, <laughs> does Tim Burton not fuck with white people? I wonder how cognizant of how fucked up a lot of the shit was in his movies. I wonder if he was like real cognizant of trying to make an actual point about it or for something that just happened like by osmosis. I'm pretty sure that he was trying to make a point about it. I don't know if he like set out to be like, okay, like here's my point and here's what I'm doing and here's how we're going to get here. But like, clearly he has so much that he wants to teach us through the plight of this boy with scissors for hands. You know, like it is clearly something that he has thought about a lot. Yeah. And that he has a lot to like show us with. Yeah. And I think that that is not nothing. Like, I think a lot of his oomph comes from that weirdness. Okay, stop me if I'm about to go, like, off the rails. Or maybe don't. Like, I don't know. I'm not your mom. But, like, you know the Twilight Zone? Yeah. You know how the Twilight Zone, like, does a lot of, here's a moral lesson that you'll learn through, like, a situation that will never happen, but is, like, applicable to a lot of other things that exist in the world right now? Yeah. He kind of Twilight Zones it. Yeah. Because realistically, I don't think Vincent Price or anybody is ever going to be like, ah, yes, let me make this boy have scissors for hands as a placeholder until his real hands come in. (laughs) I would say furthermore, I don't think that he is going to then die and leave no next of kin. Like that seems very unlikely, you know, but instead he's using that to hold up a mirror to other stuff, you know, that exists in the world actually. Yeah. Even the way the movie ends, I think that's more closer to reality than fantasy because even in talking about, like they said, like the assimilation problem, there's no big speech on how oh, we, sh- we should have just accepted effort for who he was and we should have just made him on our own. We should have changed the way we thought and think about him right is like none of of that happens in real life like like he died and they literally just went about their life yeah because they didn't need to do anything else yeah and they went back to the cookie cutter lives and that was kind of the end of it yeah including winona which is like considering i would say how hard they like really pimped her out to be like different yeah the fact that she was really not different was like very shitty I thought. Yeah. Like, I get that it's realistic, but, like, they also were clearly, like, pimping a fairy tale edge. Even if you look at the cover, like, well, the movie poster is basically her gasping on to Edward in this cloud background. Yeah. The story of an uncommonly gentle man. Which is, like, very accurate. Yeah. He spends the whole movie just trying so hard not to hurt anybody. They're coming. Yeah, he, he really was there. Did I hurt Kevin? No, he's okay. Mostly he was just scared. And, like, that includes emotionally. But, like, it's a fragile thing. And, like, like all fragile things, it's going to eventually meet a force that's different than what he thought it would be. And sometimes things are able to harden and grow, and sometimes they're not. I didn't. On a very, very, very much lighter note, who is more doable, Edward Scissorhands or Catwoman from Batman Returns? Do you have a knife kink? (laughs) I'm just asking the cost-benefit analysis questions here, okay? Like... You're gonna mark me down for a no, but I'm open. I'm open to new things. <laughs> that's that's a no from me, dog. But maybe Edward Doe. Um, yeah, I would probably go with Catwoman because crazy seems a little more safe than literal knife hands. Literally cutting off. I don't know. Are we are we talking strictly doability, or are we talking about like romantic companionship ability? If we had to pick just one life partner, so oh, that, I'd probably pick Edward. He's very sweet, man. We would take care of each other. 
Oh, that was a very sweet answer. And like, listen, Catwoman is great, but are you going to get meek, meager Selena, or are you going to get the oh, one that's no. literally about to murder you or trying to murder you? Oh yeah. Like, and then how do you like? <laughs> how do you navigate the murderous side? Right. Yeah. Oh, or yeah. or you know, like how do how do you live not knowing who your girlfriend is going to be when she comes home? Literally every day is an adventure. <laughs> yeah, that does sound a bit tiring, though. After the first week, it gets very old very fast. Like, once you realize she starts licking her own genitals after sex, like, I can't imagine that. The first time seeing it would be very interesting. I'm sure it would be great until suddenly you realize, oh, it is not great. Yeah. And the, it has maybe never been great. Yeah, the third time. The first time it's eyebrow raising for in good ways. And the third time it's like, you want to do this. Oh, every you literally time? never shower. Like, this is all you do. Like, oh, okay. I need an exit strategy. Yeah. And it needs to be good because if she finds you after you leave, she will kill you. I know. But I hey, if you think it's worth it, who am I to tell you no, bro? I love Edward has the the scar tattoo on his above uh below his his right eye. Mm-hmm. Infinite sad boy vibes. With with a nice healthy like second helping of just like danger boy vibes. Basically. My daddy's podcast is called Hyphenation. It's the world's greatest podcast. Barack Obama proved. On Hyphenation, my daddy talks about all kinds of cool things. And sometimes I'm on the podcast too. Sometimes he has his friend Marcus on. Sometimes he stays up really late and he's tired the next day. But it's worth it. But he loves his podcast and I love his podcast. So I really want you to listen to Hyphenation. So daddy doesn't get sad. He really doesn't get sad, though, because he has me. Oh, wait, please listen to Hyphenation. Thanks, y'all. I love the podcast, so please, please, please try to join. But if you know him. Perfect. Thank you. Can we hear it now? On a much, much, much lighter note, Mars attacks. Now... I want the people to know that they still have two out of three branches of the government working for them, and that ain't bad. Does Mars Attacks slaps? Yes. (laughs) Yes. This shit rules. This fucking rules. I think I had the most fun watching this movie that I've had in a long fucking time. Nice. (laughs) I... It's so good. It's so good. I'm really surprised... It's not something you rotate normally. Very surprised. It's something that I've seen a lot of the chunk. Like, I've seen a lot of chunks of it. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever actually sat down and watched it all the way through, like, uninterrupted before this week. Yeah. But, like, I always knew aesthetically, like, this movie and I fuck. <laughs> Fucks with each other. Like, whatever. Um, <laughs> Interesting pause. <laughs> it's been a weird couple days. I feel that. But, like... I did not realize quite how much this movie and I like see eye to eye on things. Aesthetically gorgeous, killing the 1%, great. The only people who survive are the people who are authentic to themselves. Fantastic. We love to see it in a Burton movie. (laughs) I will say that even like a lot of the action holds up pretty well. The creature design is just so funny. (laughs) Like... Everything about them, I think, is wonderful. Like, their design, the way they talk. I don't know if you tried to watch this movie with subtitles, but I did. And uh, the only things that they they literally only say, ak, ak! Like, they don't translate Hilarious. it. It doesn't mean anything. And, like, also, clearly, they are just so causing destruction because it's fun for them. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And that, that, to me, was when I was like, oh, okay. Like, I, mm-hmm, yep. <laughs> Right movie. I am picking up what you are putting down. Yeah, I. It's probably the most fun Burden has like ever had in a movie. Yeah, especially up to that point. And it's it's so fun. Tom Jones is in it. You find it happens all the time. 
it was because of Fresh Prince, but Tom Jones was just a pop thing in the 90s. <laughs> so strange. It was very strange, but we were out here. We were riding for Tom Jones. Yeah, and like he can, of course, fly the plane and save the day, and he starts hitting on Jack Nicholson's ex-wife, and like <laughs> I'm here for it. Like I don't know what else I need to say. Like, yes. Hello. Hey. I also... Absolutely need to cosplay the alien lady who breaks into the White House. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> like her shimmying through the entire White House was very, very much worth it. Also, like Martin Short is a, a particular kind of creepy in that movie that like actually <laughs> makes my skin crawl like well and <laughs> properly. And I noticed in your letterboxed thing that you said that Nicholson was doing a Trump impression, but I really think Martin Short is the one doing the Trump impression. All he's doing is philandering and trying to make himself feel important. (laughs) I think that Jack Nicholson is trying to be Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Like, I I think that's his, his first and foremost goal here. It's like, I'm going to be Ronald Reagan. You were told that this movie was bad. Who told you this lie? So I remember the throwback to when I had no taste in internet reviewers watching a review by Doug Walker, like the nostalgia critic. And he was like, it's bad. It's really bad. Here's why it's bad. Here's why it doesn't work. And I was like, these all seem like legitimate reasons a movie wouldn't work. It must suck. That's unfortunate, but like, I get it. (laughs) As an adult person, I've realized that like a lot of my brand is kind of, I would say designed campiness. I really like things you can laugh at because they either take themselves so seriously or have never taken themselves seriously. Yeah. And this movie is taking itself so seriously and it's not being serious. Yeah. And I think that's why it lands because it's incredibly like gory and horrible. (laughs) Like I like was sitting up last night and I was like, you see, like, Pierce Brosnan's blood dripping out of his neck. Yeah. Like, but and th- like, that's the great thing about it. Everyone, fine. That's the great thing. Everyone bought into the ridiculousness of it. Right. But also, I feel like half of the characters, probably more than half of the characters, are playing these really dumb, vapid, shallow characters very earnestly. Yeah. So, like, the woman who's married to Jack Nicholson, the not president Jack Nicholson. Uh, Nat Benning. Yeah is so earnest in her take on this like ditzy like anti-vaxxer new agey like crystal bullshit but like she is so earnest in this ridiculousness and that makes it land so much harder and that being american treasure but yes it's so funny it's so funny this movie was never bad in the time like this movie was always on reruns like on cable and i majority of the time i, I always stopped to watch it like this movie was never bad i can't help but wonder if it maybe has aged even better like aged to be better and we, the only reason i'm saying that is like i watched this movie for the first time in the middle of a global crisis that my president was not equipped to handle it seems like every decision is made well-intentioned but is wrong the aliens are actually just fucking with us and it's like i don't know if that was what the thing in the 90s like this came out the same year as independence day like i feel like independence day in my mind is much more encapsulated in like what the american 90s is yeah, no, that and this Independence seems, Day tries to be too serious, but yes. And this seems to me to be much more like 2015, like nihilistic, bright colored humor that you would never expect from Tim Burton. Except I mean, it came out in like what, 1996? Yeah, like I guess that's the whole thing with Burton. Like he's always trying to flip what, what we consider the norms are. Like, yeah, Independence Day, like that was a movie that took itself very seriously and was very popular and made will smith is like mega star and it made all this money but let's flip it let's make these christmas 
these Christmas color skeletons. Let's blow like these alien brains up. And like, we're just going to have complete fun with it. We're not going to give a shit. And that, and that's why I wrote that. <laughs> I, I wrote in my notes, did Burden predict Trump? During a global emergency, he said, schools will still go on and a cop will be on every corner. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that's so, that's so the Reagans, though. Like, that's oh, yeah, no, yeah. so the Reagans. Yeah, but you already said, like, being in a situation now where our leader mishandles a global catastrophe, mm-hmm. like, this is, time is a flat circle. <laughs> Tim Burton, the visionary. I just love that, like, the aliens are kind of just, like, whiny teenagers, and they're gonna do whatever they want, and they walk around the house in their underwear, and, like, it's a whole thing, and then, like, the thing that kills them is they, like, don't want to engage with their grandparents' music. (laughs) I think that is the funniest shit. I also love that, like, the kid gives a speech at the end, and the speech is bad. Uh, Let's sleep in tents, because I feel like that's better. Which, I mean, I know the overall point he's making, so I get it. I but get like, the vibe. What, what if we lived in teepees and stuff instead of, like, houses? Like, it's not a good speech. I wish it was. I wish I could high-five this kid and be like, nice. But, like, I can't. But it's <laughs> better, though. It's better that the speech is trash because what teenager who stumbled upon how to kill aliens, what speech can that teenager actually give i'm not saying it needed to be good i love that it's garbage yeah like that is to me why this movie is excellent is that like tim burton is like his parents are dead and his mom is senile of course his or his grandmother's senile of course his speech is gonna sound like ass and it's so clearly a no-brainer that like oh obviously like one plus one is two like this script is gonna be shit because like that's what's literally called for here well i love he's like he saved the world from global dominance and he's immediately like an anti-capitalist yeah i also like that uh like natalie portman survives by just like being herself super hard like she does not give a shit about any of the trappings of being right so she doesn't get murdered yeah i'm into this as a system of figuring out who should stay in office (laughs) oh you don't give a shit cool you can stay Uh, uh, these people (laughs) the republicans give a shit too much about winning (laughs) so we need to find the one person that does not care yeah I think this movie slaps. I think Michael J. Fox just getting like aggressively murdered and it never coming up again. (laughs) Like by the time his body has hit the floor, Natalie has moved on. Uh, Oh yeah. yeah. Speaking of that, this is actually the best Sarah Jessica has like ever looked in anything. Yeah, I agree. I'll be honest. When the scientist was like, I like have a crush on you. Like, and isn't shy about it and is like very like like he's still like apparently the chief of science like i don't know what his job description is but like he acknowledges that like she has a legitimate skill set that he doesn't have and thinks is interesting yeah and like she covers fashion news and like that's a thing that her boyfriend shat on her for constantly before how'd you get the interviews before we did because we worked harder yeah, but yeah. in his mind, like, that's not what it's about. Yeah. And, like, because he thinks she's an idiot. And she's not. She's just good at different things. Yeah. Do you think aliens would actually invade Earth at this point in time? I believe aliens exist. If aliens develop some sort of space-traveling technology, they obviously have got to be on our internet. they got to see the wild shit that's going on. <laughs> I think they might take, like, a solid slap at just, like, eliminating human society like i think they might be like all right you know we saw what you guys tried to do with the internet and uh nope i don't know man i i think they would just be like they're gonna burn anyway we can just wait for the ashes (laughs) we can wait for the smoldering to stop yeah i don't know i think i mean i also think it depends like if we piss them off like if we do something that bothers them then that's obviously going to change the answer you know, are we playing our junky music too loud? Like, what is it? <laughs> Yo, if I was an alien, I saw this ghetto ass shit. <laughs> like, I would yeah. be so, so turned off. 
It sucks that Burden murked America before he murked Paris. That was kind of that was kind of a bummer. Yeah. We had to go first. Follow Cat at Cat underscore Chinetti on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. Follow Marcus at Showin' Mad Love. S H O W I N M A D L O V on Twitter and Instagram. Follow the show on Twitter at Cat and Mark, and join our We Should Do This Again Sometime Facebook group. Read us at catseesmovies.tumblr.com and the Mark Rob, T H E M A R C R O B dot WordPress.com. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenley. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained?